Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. Oh, and we're about to serve you up a sweet Budweiser. And I've got myself some Texas-made Fritos and some M&Ms and popcorn. Oh, yeah, pour those all in. Oh, you hear that? That is fantastic. You hear that sound? That's the sound of America. And we're serving it up strong this week. We've got Braddock, Missing in Action 3. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Here at Analog Jones, we like to go back in time. Imagine you're back in 1988 and looking for a sweet action film on a Friday and you come across a Chuck Norris piece of work. Missing in Action 3. Hey, Matt, why don't you describe the box art here for us? So you're looking through the video store. You're like, what action movie am I going to pick up today? And you pick up this box. Braddock, Missing in Action 3. Chuck Norris's name, huge above the title. Almost as big as Braddock. Um... And all you get, front and center, baby, is Chuck with the big-ass gun and the uh, cannon logo almost as big as his head <laughs> next to it. And the gun is firing for some reason. And there's an exploding something behind him, a truck coming after him, and the kids he's saving uh, on the uh, right side of him. He's not saving them. He's bringing them some freedom. Well, he's fighting. For everyone who can't fight back, according to the tagline <laughs> on the front here, which is also next to his head, which is also as big as his head. Um, then we get the uh, we get the little media logo on the bottom, which I think is funny that it has cannon on the top left, then it has media at the bottom center as the the two like production logos. But when you pop in the tape, it's video treasures that actually put this out. So and and, and before we put this in. I had no idea what Video Treasures was. Never even heard of it. Yeah, they're, uh, they were, I think, like a precursor to, uh, uh, like, a Anchor Bay. They re- oh, okay. re-released movies. So this is a uh, 1990 uh, re-release here from, uh, from Video Treasures. But I don't think it actually was re-released because the movie came out in 88. Yeah, so... I've got it right here. It was released in over 2,000 theaters on January 22nd, 1988. Uh, and then we've got this, which looks like an original production uh, VHS. So I'm wondering, and we were talking about this, did it take two years almost to get this onto the shelf? Yeah, that's that. That's very. it's very curious that this is a 1990 tape from a re-release company for a 1988 movie. It, it must have, yeah, this, since this was Canon's last theatrical film, maybe it just took a while for it to get off the shelf. Um, so let me jump back to the front here. I think, actually, I think we've covered everything that's on this. Yeah, it's a cover. very simple front. Yeah, I mean, it was enough to attract us to pick it up to take a look at. So it oh, did its it, job. As soon as I saw Chuck Norris, I was like, sold. Yeah, big-ass Chuck Norris with a big-ass gun firing it next to some children. Great. And then, <laughs> So we flip over the tape. And uh, I'll read you a little bit about what this film is. So on the top, before the description, before the pictures, we get a review from Sneak Previews. And the review says, by far the best movie of the series. All Chuck's fans will love it. (laughs) 
Then underneath it, we get to pick two photos from the movie. One with uh, Chuck Norris and his son, which I'll, we'll talk about when we get into the plot of the movie. And uh, all the kids he's saving with the preacher. Those are the two images we get. Then it just it says starring Chuck Norris, again, in case we forgot. And then uh, here's our description. Lightning-fisted commando warrior Chuck Norris. Not his character's name. Chuck Norris. <laughs> Missing in action one and two. Firewalker Delta Force. Blasts his way into Nam. Not Vietnam. Nam. On a suicidal mission to rescue his long-lost family. Exclamation point. When Colonel James Braddock, Chuck Norris, damn, he's got his name on this a lot, (laughs) is told that his Asian wife and 12-year-old son are still alive in communist Vietnam, he mounts a one-man assault to free them. Armed with the latest high-tech firepower, Braddock fights his way into the heart of the country and ends up battling his way out with several dozen abused Amerasian children in tow, exclamation point. Struggling to keep the kids alive while outmaneuvering a sadistic Vietnamese officer... Aki A. Leong of Rambo First Blood Part 2. That's what he's in. We couldn't figure out what... Oh, we knew he was in a ton of stuff, okay, but that's yeah. his big claim. Uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2. Braddock ignites the jungles in a blazing cross-country race for freedom! Exclamation point. Every one of these sentences ends in an exclamation point. It's because it's extreme. Yeah. Freedom! The explosive final chapter in Chuck Norris's hard-hitting missing in action trilogy. Color, approximately 104 minutes, 1988. And then I want to point out in the uh, credit block underneath the description, how big is Chuck Norris's fucking name in that credit? Wow, that's huge. (laughs) Yeah, so he gets a lot of, he gets his name thrown on the back of this a lot. I mean, a second grader could figure out who's starring in this film. (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't know who Chuck Norris was, you'd be like, fuck, like, (laughs) he is everywhere on here. Um... So we get the the little logos on the bottom, and now it does say Video Treasures, but it uh, it only says Media and Canon on the sides as well as the front. So they splash their names all over it, and then Video Treasures just kind of tucked away on the back here. It's labeled as an action-adventure film, which it is for about 30 minutes, and uh, it's rated R. All right, so if we rented this, we would take this home, stick this in the VCR... What kind of uh, coming attractions would we get out of this? Well, if we took this particular tape home, none. We get a nice little uh, Video Treasures uh, logo treatment, and we are right in on the film then. Yes, there was nothing more sad than getting no trailers. I was very disappointed, but it is what it is. I mean, that's part of the mysteries of these VHSs. You have no idea, and... We got nothing. All we got was make sure to adjust your tracking for That's the right. best quality picture. That's right. Yeah, because this one is this one is it says it's duplicated in LP mode, which uh, SP mode is standard mm-hmm. for tapes. So LP mode is they're saving tape, really. All right. So that they're probably assuming that the tracking is going to be pretty shitty. On the, <laughs> <laughs> they're preparing you right away. Yeah. <laughs> well, since we don't have any coming attractions, I, I can let you know some of the research I got when I was just trying to look into the poster work for this. Okay. We also like to talk about the posters you'd possibly see in the video store mm. around the walls or whatever. Uh, well, their posters were exactly what it is on this front cover. They didn't do a ton of different um, posters for this, but they did have one before this, and it is a recalled poster on Missing in Action 3. It was not on Braddock Missing in Action 3. I don't know when they actually put in the Braddock, but 
they later renamed it, so they had to use a different one. And this poster was just him rising out of the water. He kind of looked like a Navy SEAL about to strike, so it didn't really look like a colonel from the Army. And uh, they got rid of it. They put it to the side, so this person was selling it on eBay for nineteen ninety nine, And it was a huge one. It was like a 27 by 40. And that I mean, was the, the original that they were Yeah, that was the original. That looked like huh. the original for the movie, so I don't know... But I have a theory that, like the Missing in Action 1, Missing in Action 2, there was no Braddock in the front of this, and I have no idea why they added that. It had to be like a Rambo thing, right? Because it was coming out around the same time as Rambo, and, you know, that was First oh, Blood. Oh, Rambo, had, First yeah. Blood, so we've got Braddock, Missing in Action It 3. had to be. Right. It had to be like a, a canon try to cash in on the, uh, the main star's name. I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, um, I did notice there are a few different covers uh, in, like, now that Shout Factory's come out with it, where it's got him with just a mustache with the bandana, um, which we'll go into that when we talk about the movie. Like I said before, we're about to watch Braddock Missing in Action 3. It was released in January 22nd, 1988, in over 2,000 theaters, and I could not find a budget on this at all, and I'm assuming that's because this was the fall of canon mm, they probably yeah kept it under the kept it under the rug yeah and just in case you didn't notice from the box art uh this film is starring chuck norris as is colonel it? james braddock is it is he involved in this film uh, apparently a little bit <laughs> a, a little, little bit uh and then we've got aki ali long as the vietnamese general guac that's his actual guac. Guac, yeah. Yes. It's spelled Q-U-O-C, but it, guac. Uh, and then we've got Yahandi Efrani as the Reverend Polanski. We've got Rowan Hera III as Van Tan Kang. All right. Yes. I probably destroyed all those names. <laughs> I'm sorry to the families who might be listening. Uh, and then we, you know, it was distributed by Canon Films in a runtime of 102 minutes. That's interesting. So the runtime on the back of the box art and in IMDb is actually the same, which I think is the first time we've had that in any of our movies. Well, you said 102 minutes. It says 104 minutes. Ah, so clearly. incorrect. I don't like you, Matt, and I don't listen. <laughs> but you are, you're right. Your research is right because I was watching the tape counter because I couldn't wait for it to be over. Um, I was watching the tape counter, and it was 102 minutes, so they just lied about these extra two minutes on the back of this. I don't know why. It wasn't like it was like 102, like almost 103 where they could have rounded up, but it, it's, no, it's a clean 102. And Damn it, Video Treasures, you're <laughs> full of shit. Saigon, 1975. Colonel James Braddock. Left behind more than memories. Your son's name is Van. He's alive. Now, 12 years later, he's not just a soldier going after the enemy. He's a father searching for his child. You must pay for the crimes that you have committed against my beloved country. Until he discovers a generation left behind. The orphans of a forgotten war. 
Mayo, why don't you start us off? What did we first see on this thing? Well, we first, we start off in 1975 during the fall of Saigon, and we think we, I'm, I've never seen any of the other two movies, so we just jumped in at three. <laughs> no but clue. I'm, I'm assuming this is doing some, like, series uh, retconning here, because we do get, like, a, a bit with Keith David, who I'm assuming is in the other movies. And I got, I was so excited when I saw him, I'm like, Keith David's in this! But he's not. He's only in the uh. opening scene, which is probably from another movie or has to do with some retconning. But basically we see his wife and uh, she gets her bracelet stolen by a friend and then she gets trapped trying to get out. And she's like, I have amnesty. I can get out. I'm married to James Braddock. He gets out after he gets shot. She gets stuck there. But before he leaves, he sees a burned woman wearing the bracelet. So we're to assume oh, no, his wife is dead, but it's not. It's the friend that stole it. So we we get that sort of story of Saigon. And let me tell you, it was so exciting. I was on the edge of my seat. I was already looking at the counter. No, it was, it, it was so boring. Right, yeah. Like, for a scene in which an entire country is falling <laughs> and our main character is barely escaping and leaves without his wife, I was bored the whole time. <laughs> well, it's pretty much an overview of actually what was happening at Canon Pictures. Yeah, really, it is. It was the fall of Saigon and the fall of yeah. Canon. It was a bunch of Filipinos breaking windows. I mean, that's what exactly what happened at the Canon Pictures. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Chuck Norris came there to save him, but, yeah. you know, he lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably because he only had a mustache. Yeah, he only has the mustache at the beginning. So, again, I don't know if this is from another film or if this is just the way they show that it's the past by him only having the mustache. But, yeah. So, we get that. He gets away. And then we fast forward. Well, we we do get the credits during this, and we find out that this was directed by Aaron Norris, Mm. who we looked up was Chuck Norris's younger brother. Yeah, it's his younger brother. And he started as the second unit director. Right. And then uh, you were saying that the original director of this film left, and then Aaron Norris took over from second unit as the full-on director. They had creative differences, and you you just don't disagree with Chuck Norris. Yeah, I I guess that's what happens. He'll bring his little brother in. And Norris even gets, uh, Chuck Norris gets writing credit on this movie as well, which we see in the opening credits during The Fall of Saigon. Let's be honest, he probably directed it too. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Um, I was curious too, I thought it would, uh, Aaron Norris had said had served in Vietnam, so I thought it would be pretty like a, you know, startling vision of, you know, what he probably actually saw, but no. Everything, for some reason, in the entire movie, but definitely in the opening scene, is shot with, like, a soft focus, so everything Mm. is kind of hazy-looking. And it was just—that was very distracting for me. But I think it actually finally lifted, because I don't remember it in the second half of the film, but in the first half— it was so annoying. Right. It was almost as if, like, the sleepy half of the movie where there was a lot of dialogue and there was... Well, there wasn't a lot of dialogue, but there was a lot of walking around and there was yeah. a lot of, like, showing you who the character would be. Um, yeah, during that time, that that was all hazy, and then we get to the action stuff and the haze is sort of lifted. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, because I remember... So Chuck Norris, they eventually flash forward. After he gets shot, he escapes uh, a helicopter. We magically goes straight to, I guess, present day. 
I don't know if they actually ever put that on the screen because I wasn't paying attention. I just wanted this to get going. <laughs> and then yeah, the, I think it, I think it either says present day or it says 1988. It 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 says something, and it says that we're in Washington D.C. So I guess yeah. it's where he's living now. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just press through this because uh, the first half of this movie is rough. Yeah, I mean, not a lot happens, and it's really it's really choppy too because we go from D.C. where he talks to. Little John, who must be in the other movies or something. Well, don't forget about Reverend Prince. Well, yeah. Reverend Pulaski comes, tells him, hey, your wife and kid's alive. And he's like, I don't believe you. And then he goes to see Little John, who's like the head of the CIA, I'm assuming, because he's in the Central Intelligence Building. Sure, okay. And the Little John is like, no, you're not going to believe that story. And he's like, now I believe it because you're denying it. Yeah, he... He plays that he's lying so thick because he looks at him. He goes, "Is that a crazy story?" And he has that look on his face where he's like, "Um, n- no. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's crazy. Believe me, Chuck." He kind of tried to Jedi trick him. Yeah, and it it failed miserably because Chuck Norris is Vader and the Emperor and Yoda wrapped in one with a beard. <laughs> but with none of the dialogue. <laughs> and no personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is a good, as good a time as any to just let you guys know before you watch this film. Chuck is giving it about 10% out of his range of 100%, which is not very good to begin with. But, like, he is not giving a shit. He's taking his writing credit, and he is done. No, He's his, not acting in this movie at all. His beard gives more effort than him. Yeah, yeah, because now in present day, of course, he has the full beard. Yeah, because men have beards. Yeah, right. I so, guess he was supposed to be a little boy in Saigon. Right, but now he's a man. <laughs> so he, he realizes once he talks to little John that his family's still alive, so he's going to go over and save them, I guess, we're assuming. But what's the great line that he has when he leaves Little John's uh So office? Little John goes, Chuck, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Braddock, <laughs> don't step on any toes. And Chuck Norris turns around with that dramatic, like, shoulder over the head and then faces him and he goes, Little John, no, I fucked up his line. Here we go. <laughs> I don't step on toes, Little John. A step on necks. And I just was like, America! <laughs> Fireworks literally went off in the background. The flag started waving. and Oh, it was great! Uh, everybody was eating apple pie. It was fantastic. And, and this is when... Oh, delicious apple pie. And this is when I thought, okay, we've set it up. We get it. He's got to go save his wife and kid. And I thought at this point, this movie was going to start wrecking. <laughs> Oh, Steve. <laughs> you got so excited for nothing. <laughs> oh, man, it was a downer. Um, so he flies He flies to Bangkok, which we're like, why is he going to Bangkok? We don't know. We don't oh, know why. And we had to Google where Bangkok was. It's in Thailand. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the American school system for you. <laughs> Steve looks at me. He goes, where's Bangkok anyway? And I go, uh. <laughs> I didn't even pretend to try to be like, oh, yeah, it's in one of the, you know. Could you, Eastern, uh, yeah, like, could you imagine know. little Stephen, little Matt back in the day with no Google would be like, where's Bangkok? I, you probably just would have made up China. <laughs> yeah, would, yeah, exactly. Because that's all of Asia, right? China. Right. right. Oh, America school system. It's <laughs> the best in the world. Don't worry. I've got my America can of beer here. Yeah, you got your America Budweiser. Um, so we we get to Bangkok for some reason. We don't know why. And he goes and talks to somebody who we're assuming maybe in the other movies who offers to fly him over to Saigon. 
and uh, with no establishment whatsoever. We so we were pretty lost at this point. No, he's like a tough Australian. And by the way, was he Australian? I think so. Yeah, he was like a tough Australian. And we know he's tough because he crushes a glass yeah. with his hand as Chuck Norris walks into the bar. Because <laughs> apparently his hand's made out of concrete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I, I bet you know what? I bet this character was had more lines and was much more interesting and they had to cut it down because they're like this guy is much better than Chuck yeah because I mean this is the only scene he's in he flies him he flies into Saigon and that's the last we fucking see of that guy Chuck Norris just walked in the editing room and he he just like kicks the dude in the face he goes cut that scene yeah (laughs) he's getting more attention than I am he's better than I am in this movie get him out of this yeah because I honestly thought at the beginning I go oh this is his friend who's gonna like disappear and then come back at the end to help him out. Nope. No. <laughs> That's all we get. He's gone. Well, uh, we are forgetting because it was so boring. Before they get to the plane to Saigon, they have the world's most boring car chase with the police of Bangkok who are well, trying yes. to stop them because the CIA also shows up <laughs> right behind Braddock and is like, we know what you're up to, Braddock. Don't even think about getting out of here. So nah, the yeah. CIA comes in with the Bangkok police and there is the lamest car chase yes. ever. It starts out with and I wrote this down. It took us 23 minutes to get a Chuck Norris kick in this movie, and that's bullshit. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I mean we should have known by minute 23 that we were in for a, a, a stretched out one here. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, they just get in the car, and I guess it's this Australian guy's car. I don't know. I didn't care because we were looking at each other talking about another movie because we're like, this is a car chase scene that sucks, yeah. and there's a lot going on. It's just boring. Cars are crashing into each other. There's explosions. But for some reason, and I don't know if it's just the hazy cinematography or the music or whatever, I just couldn't care. <laughs> it's like, how are we half an hour through this movie and I have not seen Chuck Norris fire a gun? We got one line and like three kicks. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. This is Chuck Norris, and I got a tension span of a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if this was 1988 and I had picked this movie up being like, fuck yeah, Chuck Norris, I would have been like, fuck this movie pretty quick. <laughs> Check this shit. Put in something else. You got Predator? <laughs> exactly. So Hell no, I don't have Predator. That costs $30. <laughs> probably like $100 at that time, Yeah, right? that did. Who had, had a VCR? Turn, it hadn't been the turn of the uh, video market yet. So we... We... Uh, are in Saigon now. <laughs> He's gotten yeah, 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 yeah. Blah, blah, blah. He gets away, Saigon. Yeah. There's a lot of walking, in, like, that's about it. Walking around Saigon. He, find, he finds his wife and kid now. We learn he's got a 12-year-old kid. Um, so he's got to get them out now. He finds them pretty quick. We're fight, But we're 40 minutes in, 42 minutes yeah. in. We've got, like, an hour left of the movie. He finds his wife and kid. Yeah, and his kid's a little brat, even though he's being rescued from the Vietnamese, I don't know, kid camp, kid concentration camp. Yeah. I don't even know what to call this. Anyway, they're all under guard. Uh, Polanski, uh, Reverend Polanski helps him find them. We move on. We get to them about to escape because we forgot to say that Chuck Norris has one of the coolest little Batman boats. When oh, he, jumped, right. he jumps out of the plane, he puts a parachute on the boat. He jumps out, too. He gets in this sweet thing, and he outruns all the Vietnamese in their slow-ass ships. Yeah, he's basically... It's it's a Batmobile for the water, so it's like a boatmobile. 
you know what? I just realized he's about to go on a rescue mission, and he has a tiny boat. How are you going to put anyone on that boat? They get on the boat. The little tiny boat? Yeah, they get on the boat, and then that's when that's when they get caught. They like get out. They go to get on the boat, as the, and then and then uh, that's when we meet Guac. He no, but a, but they were all they surround him on the shore. They, oh, that's right. They don't actually get on. They are going to it. Yeah. But they don't actually. The reason they don't get on is because it can only fit one person. <laughs> What the fuck? Chuck, what are you doing? <laughs> you didn't think this through. You put a fucking boat on the plane, which you threw out of the plane and jumped on perfectly. But you couldn't think that, like, hey, I got to take two other people back on this thing. Yeah, he knows he has a son <laughs> and his wife. He knows they're there, and he doesn't bring them tiny boats? No. No. I guess, yeah, this was doomed to fail from the beginning. <laughs> Damn it, Braddock. Think this shit through. Damn it, Braddock. Um, so, yeah, they get... Uh, so where are we at now? So they oh well, <laughs> so they uh, the Philippine. Oh, damn it, sorry. They they taped this in Philippines. So I might say that for you. Though. The Vietnamese little army controlled by General Guac surrounds them, and then we get the bad guy going, "I got you, Braddock." Which, by the way, I assume they all know Braddock in Vietnam because they surround him, and they're like the famous Braddock. Right. Right. Like, I, okay, wow. fucking Chuck Norris, that's why. <laughs> this is the 80s, we didn't have the internet. How do all these soldiers, because it's like 10 years in the future, how do all these soldiers know who Braddock is? Yeah, who knows? He's I, just a legend in those d- Yeah, dude, did they put out a book, a most wanted book, and he's like number one? Yeah, probably, has to be. So uh, they're like, they're like, ah, Braddock, you thought you could get away. And he's like, don't involve my family in this. This is, this is my fight. And then... And then the guac, you know, so we know he's evil, shoots his wife right in the fucking head. <laughs> Boom! Bitch goes down, and I was shocked. Yeah, man. That was crazy. Like, they show you the full-on headshot, and it's graphic. Yeah, that squib had to hurt. Yeah. That was right in the forehead. Yeah. Ugh. Ow! And then the hilarious slow-mo of Chuck. Well, his kid, the kid actor, is like, no, my mom. And Chuck's like, no. <laughs> Basically. I think I think this was at the point that I had been like, Chuck doesn't give a fuck in this movie. <laughs> no, I was like, oh, man, what what is the deal with some of these movies that we've gotten from uh, this era where occasionally, I, I guess after they made like four or five of the same film, they just don't care. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I think that's what it is. It's like he probably just wanted his screenwriting credit so that he can get in the Writers Guild or something like that and then just phoned it 100%. He knew that Cannon was going. He probably didn't even get paid for this or no, was I, afraid that he wasn't going to get paid for this, so he was like, fuck it. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I wonder how any of these guys actually got their checks cleared. Yeah. Uh, either way, let's, let's keep moving on. Because then, <laughs> then we move into a really long torture scene. Yeah, which kind of has like a, a fun setup. Well, fun, not fun, well, but you know what I mean. Uh, I'm surprised Chuck let General Guac have so, choose so much of the scene because he is the best personality in this film. And this film is worth watching because of Guac. Oh, yeah. Best performance in the film, hands down. And he's so fun in oh, the few scenes he is, he's in. He's walking around. He, he, so they put his kid, 
Chuck's kid or General Braddock, uh, not General Braddock, Colonel Braddock, right? I don't know. Whatever, fuck <laughs> it. Um, they put they put Braddock's kid in this chair where it's got a shotgun pointing to his face, and he fires off one round, and he lets Chuck know that we're going to tie this around your hands, and you have to step, you have to be on your tippy toes and stay on your tippy toes for hours on end so it doesn't you don't release it and shoot your kid in the face which is pretty brutal and this is a nice torture device i think this is very clever this seems like something that's real yeah no it was that was like an actual like whoa okay here we go and i do not want to go to vietnam (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean like this is the kind of shit that like scared like young Americans at the oh, time yeah. were, like to travel overseas like <laughs> so we get we get this and he uh, of course lasts more than an hour and the general's like no one's ever lasted more than an hour Chuck of course lasts more than an hour we don't get we any assume sort of, we don't get any sort of like clock or anything of passage of time so for all we know it could be 30 seconds but <laughs> we're I what he is alluding to is it's more than an hour. Yeah. And then, so then he, he straps him, He I guess there's something on his neck, which wasn't established earlier, but there's nope. like a little collar on his neck that they attach uh, jumper cables to and electrocute him. And of course, Chuck doesn't bend or anything like that. He, st- he stays up there, even though they keep electrocuting him. And then he finally, uh, the General Glock gets real mad at him and like, tickles him (laughs) he kind of throws a tantrum you know chuck is glistening with his shirt off he looks fantastic you're looking at him like that's a strong man and general guac's like no and he like shakes him tickles him whatever you want to do and he finally pulls it and then we realize the whole time that the shotgun never had a second shell in it right so it was just like a like a mental torture no and to me, I'm like, well, why did he do that? Couldn't he have just walked over and said, you lose anyway, Chuck, and then clicked the barrel, and then both would have been like, <gasps> Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, he's in, uh, Guac is into the theatrics of torture. Like, so there's no, there's none of that. Like, I honestly, <laughs> I honestly, if I was going to recut this, I would just start with Chuck Norris, like, walking in, saving his kids, and then go straight to this torture scene, because... The last forty minutes of the film is the only thing worth it. I would even it's like the last half hour. Like we really it takes a while for us to get yeah. to like the good stuff. Because we're about at the hour mark at this point. And what happens is the people take it the the people, the uh, bad guys take the sun away and Chuck escapes. The damn commies. Yeah, the damn commies take take the sun away. We don't know where he is, and Chuck's on the loose. Braddock's out going to yeah. find he, some guns. He, and shit. he runs around. He gets guns. Uh, he's shirtless I, as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes and saves. It's time to save the uh, the poor Vietnamese kids that need freedom. Yeah. So he when when his son gets he also escapes briefly, and then the the general's army finds him. He throws the son in a little camp with a bunch of other kids. Yeah. And that's how we established that there's this whole 
like camp of Amerasian, as they like to say in this movie, of Amerasian kids that are half half American, half Vietnamese that they keep in this little internment camp. And no, they're not. They all are Filipino look kids. like Filipino kids. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. They couldn't they're the, get they're any... They're the extras. Yeah, they're absolutely the extras that they found just in town where they shot. Could you imagine going to the Philippine like army and be like, hey, do you have uh, any half Philippine, half Americans? And they just stare at you and be like, no. <laughs> but we got a bunch of kids in this town, so you can have them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we see the, the camp, and finally, finally Chuck Norris shows up to this where this camp is, and... Right before the movie gets good, we get the trademark canon rape scene where one of the one of the girls gets left behind or pulled back by one of the soldiers and he goes to go rape her. And How it's, old do you think she is? She looks a little older. She might be eighteen so that they could do that scene, but she you know, she she looks Oh, she looks that, young, it, uh, but she looks a little older than the rest of the kids. So she might be like eighteen. Yeah, and I then, looked at her. She looked like fourteen to me. Yeah, I'm I mean like, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe they did that. But the the army, the uh, Vietnamese army guy is just like on top of her, like licking her. It's gross. gross. It's so gross. And then, thank fuck, Chuck Norris comes in there, and. Uh, first shoots the other guy, the other guy that's like standing guard, and then takes the guy. And this, <laughs> this was the best part of this. Takes the guy that was trying to rape the girl, shoots him with. It looks like a big, big shell. So we know something's coming. Shoots him with a big shell right in like right above his crotch, like right under the stomach. He flies out of the wall. Lands outside and then fucking explodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean Chuck penetrated him. Yeah, and blew him apart. <laughs> I loved it because I thought he was gonna do it to the other like his friend that's I guess watching guard. Yeah, and I was so disappointed. And then he just blasts this dude, falls out the window, explodes, and I was like, oh, finally, <laughs> yes. finally. I should also mention in my notes, I have the walls are made of pieces of wood with holes in it and it looks like a connect four board yeah i don't know why i don't know if this oh you a, know why so that they could blow apart this shit's, gonna, <laughs> this shit's getting exploded but but story-wise i don't know why they have oh it the makes no there. damn sense yeah so by doing this now Braddock can free the kids so all the kids get taken out and they are hiding in like a bush, and Chuck Norris just proceeds to stand in the center and clean house. <laughs> yes, in the center of all these soldiers just running at him, and he is gunning them down. Every guard tower has no chance of survival. He just explodes. Boom, boom, boom. Brrr, all dying. Not one person gets a shot that even clips Chuck. Nope. <laughs> he just stands in the center. He's like, here comes the next group of them. Boom! Mows them all down. <laughs> Here comes the next group. Boom! Taken care of. I don't even think they get a shot off in general. <laughs> I just wish he would have ripped off his shirt and then just like yelled like Arnold and Predator. <laughs> but I mean, they they do their thing. He kills I don't know like thirty 
Vietnamese right here more. I don't know. He's just blowing Maybe up. Maybe hundreds. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my mind was just so happy people were dying in a Chuck Norris film, finally. Yes, it took us It took us to, like, the last half hour of this movie yeah. for this to get yeah. started. So we mow through a bunch of these soldiers, and then they have, they have to go through the forest, right? Well, this yeah, he gets, we get the, he gets the kids into the truck. The truck starts to run away. The army finds the truck and somehow blows it up or something, and then they, then they just get caught in the woods, and this becomes a run through the woods from the army movie. Yeah, and we get, we get a good probably ten minutes of that, and they find a plane that's landing at a little tarmac, and they then... You know, Braddock kills all the guards over there and hijacks the plane, gets all the mm-hmm. kids on there, and one of the Vietnamese soldiers gets a shot off at the engine. So the plane is flying now, they're getting away, but it's losing fuel rapidly. So of course the plane has to go down and it lands right by the border, but they're still they're still in Vietnam, but they're right there. They could taste the freedom. And they're alive. Yeah. They survived. survived. Yeah, they survived. So that's pretty amazing on its own. Yeah, and then I love they have the CIA guys, the army guys on the other side of this bridge that apparently is, you know, separating Vietnam and what other Bangkok? I I don't know. I I don't know geography. Um, Yeah. And I'm not looking at a map because America's the only thing that matters. (laughs) Uh, I'm not looking at a map because this movie didn't make me care. (laughs) I just transported to 1988, and I'm all about Republican (laughs) and America. Oh, man. It was nice when Republicans were nice, nicer. It <laughs> didn't just care about white people. Well, they're half white that they care about in this movie, but <laughs> write all your emails to Matt. <laughs> Send them my way. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I fucking love Reagan and America. Oh, <laughs> uh, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> so we get we get the fight. Uh, General he blows some people away. Yada yada and. All you need to know about this is right now, Colonel Braddock is hurt. He needs help. So we get we get the General Guac coming up in the helicopter, and this really badass looking helicopter, by yeah. the way. Uh, and then we get the Americans on the other side with their helicopters. General Guac is like, they ain't gonna do shit. Yeah, they, he, General Guac's like, I know they can't cross the border because they'll start a war if they cross the border. So the American like embassy uh, army is staying on the the other other side of the border, and uh, Guac has his helicopter pointed right at Braddock, who is just dead in the center. The kids are hidden, and of course his kid comes running up to hug him after he just survived that explosion of whatever the plane or whatever. And remember, his kid's name is Van Tan King. Yep. Braddock. <laughs> <laughs> so he's holding he's holding Van, and they're looking up, and they're like looking up at their eminent doom, and the the American helicopter pilots are like, if he does anything, we're gonna be up his ass. <laughs> I know. I felt that. I was like, wow, that is really that's just that's how you want it. We're gonna go up his ass. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you blow his ass away? Why do you have to go up it? Yeah. Anyway, we're going to go up it and then blow it up much like how Chuck Norris shot that guy through a wall and then it exploded after he was penetrated. Um, So he's got the the plane pointed at Braddock and this kid. He's going to shoot him or blow him up or whatever. 
and he's getting ready to fire the, the fingers on the trigger and Van helps Braddock lift the gun in a really slow dramatic waiting and they aim the gun together as a family yeah, and they shoot the gun together and of course they hit the helicopter in just the sweet spot and they shoot the pilot who is next to Guac. So Guac is trying to, like, fly the plane as it's going down, and it just crashes and fucking explodes. <laughs> and then clearly a cut to a really cheap helicopter. Like, yeah. you could tell. Like, yeah. I looked at him like, that's not the same helicopter that's at all. That's not the cool helicopter yeah. that Guac was in earlier. <laughs> we understand. Cannon had no money. Um, so we, we get the cheering and everything, and you see the American soldiers. They're like, God damn it, I knew Braddock could do it. He's a fucking man. And they... They lead, he leads the kid, you know, he's holding one kid, yeah. he's, got, he's ho- holding the hand of another kid, neither of which are his actual kid, um, and he's leading them through the smoke and the fire from the exploding helicopter, and they're all safe and free, and then the, the girl who almost gets raped is left behind, and she looks back at the fires of Vietnam, and then looks forward to the freedom of America. Fuck you, communist! <laughs> and then we're treated to uh, a little blurb that says 15,000 Amerasian children are still being held captive in Vietnam. Yes. So, um, and as truthful and as knowledgeable as we know Canon Films is, this is completely true. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I'm lying. <laughs> like, I, yeah, not sure if this is real, not sure if this is just for No dramatic. clue. No yeah. clue. And, uh, so, Fuck it. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because we got treated to some fucking freedom songs. Yes. So the credits start and we get a song called Freedom Again by Ron Bloom, which this is the third time this song has been in this film because we hear it in the opening scene and then we hear it like 15 minutes later again. Yes. <laughs> and then now we get it in the end credits, which are look like they're fast forwarded. Yeah, that's weird. They, like, sped up for some reason, the end credits. I don't know if they Did were they just... do that to get more run times in this? Because there would be... So this movie was about 92 minutes? Yeah, or 102 minutes. 102. They're probably just saving film, saving tape or whatever. Uh, for so that. Why yeah. would you do that? Yeah, like, I don't, I don't... Yeah, so maybe, I don't know, maybe it was 104 minutes, like the tape says, and then they fast-forwarded the end credits that's and so it shaved weird. off those two minutes. I don't know. It's so weird. So the, the end credits are fast-forwarded for some reason as this Freedom song is on. And then, without us even really noticing, the song changes because they sound the same because it's another Ron Bloom song. Yeah. And it's it's called In Your Eyes, but it's the, what is it? I can see the freedom in yeah. your eyes. <laughs> I can see the freedom in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I'm going to have to own the soundtrack for this for sure. Yeah, it's, I don't care how much it is on iTunes. I'm buying it. Yeah, and we're going to rock it every 4th of July because I can see the freedom in your eyes. Every 4th of July? Fuck that. Every Sunday. Every day is the 4th of July <laughs> in America. <laughs> I'm going to come home from church, get me a Budweiser, watch some football, and fucking listen to some Ron Bloom. <laughs> oh, my life would be so sad if that was what I did every day. <laughs> oh, oh, but yeah. I, 
watch VHS movies, so I guess a lot. I, I guess uh, I'm no one to talk. So yeah, that's that's Braddock. That's missing in action three. We don't get treated to anything after the movie's over. I was hoping for a Ron Bloom music video or something like that. Or maybe like a Skeletor. I'll be back. You're like I think they mixed the movies up. General Guac now looks like Skeletor and just comes out of like a little puddle in Vietnam and it's just like Braddock. Uh, for any of you who don't know, at the end of Masters of the Universe made by Canon Films, that's exactly what Skeletor does. Yes. Yes. And they tricked us. We all thought as kids were like, we're getting another. Except, thank God we didn't. <laughs> we didn't have a chance. Canon died. It's, yeah, that. I. Not to go too much on a tangent, but tangents are fun. So we're going to go on a little bit of a tangent. I'll start the clock and go. <laughs> the Masters of the Universe movie is not good. It's not even like, oh, man, this is like so, so bad it's good. Or like, oh, it's bad, but it's kind of fun. Like, it took me like three days to get through this movie. I would watch like 30 minutes and be like, I can't do it anymore. I <laughs> uh, no, it's pure. That's a pure nostalgia one. Even my nostalgia love for it, I have rewatched it as an adult. I'm like, oh, Wow, Darth Lundgren, stop talking. Yeah, I mean, I and the thing about the movie is, I I didn't have that nostalgia. I just saw it for the first time recently. Oh, that's the yeah, that the yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. See, I have the nostalgia for the cartoon. I watched the cartoon as a kid, and I and of course I love that, and I can go back and rewatch that fondly. Yeah. But the movie I never saw as a kid, so watching it now, I was just like, I can't make it through this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad, especially the end when they had no money. Yeah, and there's there's not really an ending. No, they just shoot it in the lot. You see him in Skeletor fighting. But anyway, uh, in tangent now. Yes. All right, so we're going to get into some trivia. But before that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with a couple lines of Braddock. Braddock, I'm warning you, don't step on any toes. I don't step on toes, little John. Step on next. All right, I hope you enjoyed those lines. Uh, so we've got uh, we got some trivia here for you. I'm gonna read you some facts and everything. So Chuck Norris at this point had done Missing in Action one and two, uh, Code of Silence, Invasion USA, The Delta Force, Firewalker with Louis Gossick Jr. Uh, so Missing in Action and Delta Force, they're the pictures for Canon that actually made serious money. I mean, they were making $20, $30 million off these. This was a good job. And that's not even including the foreign uh, money coming in, which I could not find. But I could find domestic. So interesting things about all of this. When I went back and I was looking up the Mission in Action kind of just trilogy, Missing in Action 2 was shot before Missing in Action 1. They didn't think it was very good, so they decided to shoot the other one. And Missing in Action 1 is a prequel. No, Missing in Action 2 is a prequel to 1. This series of films make no damn sense, because in those two, they established that he had been captured in, like, 1978 or 1975 and held for 10 years. Now, when we go to this film, this film has him just lollygagging around D.C. So they essentially are like, oh, man, this makes no sense. How could he be captured in another city 
while going back to Saigon to get his wife and uh, son, which he never talks about in the other two. So what they did was said, fuck it, Missing in Action 3 has nothing to do with 1 and 2. This is banana pants. Yes, <laughs> it's like, I, I, can't, I, I can't wrap myself around the same director doing 1, coming back for 3, realizing and looking at this script and then saying, fuck this shit, I'm out, and then them going, oh, who are we going to get to direct this? And he goes, my little brother's over there, he's pretty good. Great idea, Chuck. Great idea. That, that just blew my mind apart. Like, now now I want to go back and rewatch the other two. Prior to you saying that, I couldn't give a shit. But now I'm, like, morbidly fascinated to see one and two, especially since they were shot opposite. Yeah, and when I was looking up this movie, I, I found the budget. The budget apparently... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I could not find the budget. I found what it made domestically, $6.8 million, which was a commercial failure and a financial failure. But because Canon was going down, I don't think anyone knew how much this movie cost. So, therefore, we actually don't know if this ever made money. Right. I'm assuming it didn't because at that point, Canon was trying to spend like 8 to $20 million a film. I mean, Superman 4 was like $30 million, cut down to a budget of like fifteen. Well, yeah, I'm wondering just, maybe maybe the money they made would just like sort of even them out or something, but they were done because they couldn't spend anymore. I it's it's impossible to know. It's just even um, Electric Boogaloo, uh, the documentary on Canon. At at the end of it, they just said it just turns into a, a nightmare because they lost so much money from you know Superman four to Masters of the Universe to Over the Top, which were all a year or two before this. So yes. really, at this point, this was almost just like an afterthought. Yeah, I, I do wonder if this was probably shot at the same time as all that. Because in their opinion, they're like, let's just go big before we go out. Because I think they saw the ending coming, so they just maxed the credit cards. That's pretty, Yeah, they probably did. And I mean, they, and they, it didn't they, work. <laughs> they didn't have much faith in it to begin with. They put it out in January. January's always been dumping month for movies, Yo, so they yeah. didn't care. It's, it's a bad month, so... Uh, now, here's here's some interesting tidbits on it. During the production, a helicopter pilot hired by Cannon crashed and killed four Filipino soldiers. This happened the same day that the Twilight Zone verdict was laid down in L.A. Do you know what wow. that is? Yeah, the helicopter that killed Vic Morrow. Yeah, so that was the John Landis was... Mm-hmm. In, yeah, so that was... I, that's just an wow, interesting... that's creepy. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Uh, thank you, IMDb person who put that trivia in, because that's fascinating. Yeah, that's 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 trivia. Like that's yeah. meaty trivia. Uh, the opening of this film establishes, and this this is about the continuity. Uh, the opening of this film establishes that the character Braddock, being in Saigon in 1975. However, this contradicts the events of Mission in Action 2. That film says he was captured in Vietnam in 1972 and held as a POW. For over 10 years. So that means if he was captured in 72, that means he was finally released in 82. And this movie has him in 75 instead of Fall of Saigon. So that's... They were just like, fuck continuity, who cares? No, they didn't care. They essentially just said, fuck one and two. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so um, I'm imagining that's why the original director left. That was like the creative differences. It has to be. Like, Can you imagine just being hired and being like, Oh yeah, the movie you just did before this, 
It doesn't matter. It totally <laughs> shits on my last movie. Uh, so Joseph Zito was supposed to be the director, and he's the one who did the first. So Aaron Norris comes on, his brother, Chuck Norris's brother, is the second unit director and everything. Now, this is not the last film that Chuck and Aaron work on. Listen to this. Chuck and Aaron also went on to star in se- or to work together in several other movies: Delta Force Two, The Columbian Connection, The Hitman, Sidekicks, Hellbound, Top Dog, Forest Warrior, Walker Texas Ranger, the TV movie, and several of the episodes. Wow! So yes. like, this forged a partnership between him and his brother creatively. Yeah, his brother actually did a lot. Wow. I mean, yeah, like, I, when I think of, like, 90s Chuck Norris, like, Sidekicks, Top Dog, these are the first Hellbound. These are the first ones I think of. So, yeah, I mean, he wow. really did the, not that the movies are any good, but he really did, like, the 90s Chuck Norris movies. Yeah, as a kid, the only Chuck Norris movies uh, I ever watched, I'm not going to say I wasn't allowed, because I definitely watched some movies when I was a kid that I shouldn't have, but Sidekicks and Top Dog. Now, I'm sure if we ever watch Top Dog, I'm sure that's awful. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Sidekicks is awful. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure whatever the fuck Forest Walker is, it's terrible. Oh, it looks like him is a hippie karate fighter. All right, maybe it's awful. He's got, like, <laughs> he's got long hair. When I looked at the cover, I was like, ooh, wow, I kind of want to watch that. Okay, maybe I'll watch that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and here's the last bit of trivia that is just blew my socks off. The scene which General Guac tortures Colonel Braddock runs for eight interrupted eight uninterrupted minutes, making it one of the longest bondage and torture scenes in movie history. Boom. Wow. Eight minutes. Yes. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, oh, it, it was is. so homoerotic, too. Oh, it was, yeah. They were, like, really close when, like, uh, Norris was all sweaty and chained up. But, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, bondage Glistening. There, yeah. You know, during those scenes, they were just walking over and spraying uh, Chuck Norris. They're like, oh, we got to get this good, mm-hmm. good and wet. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was definitely sexual. Uh, eight sexual minutes. Yep. All right. Well, that ends our trivia. Uh, so we'll give you a little bit of that bondage scene here, and then we'll come back and we'll say what we've watched. I have tested many before, Braddock, and no one has lasted even an hour. Maybe you can be the first, eh? I'll do whatever you want. Just let the boy go. You will do what I want anyway. All right, so now we're going to go ahead and put some of our favorite things from the movie in the museum. What we do every time in these episodes is find a little nugget of gold that we found within the movie, or maybe something, maybe a lump of coal that we want to learn from for the future um, that we put away in our little uh, Analog Jones uh, museum to take a look back at. Steve, what are you going to put in the museum this time? All right. It'd be pretty easy to put a lump of coal in the museum on this movie. Because right. there, there's a lot of downtime that's just boring. Uh, and, it, and then it slaps you in the face. But I'm going to put in the scene that actually shocked me when I watched it. And that's when General Guac just looks at uh, Braddock's wife and just 
bam, shoots her right in the head. Oh. I, I was like, whoa. Yeah, it was shocking, and it was graphic, too. It was yeah. Like, you see, like, the back of her head fly off. You see the, the hole in her head. That squib was brutal. Oh, yeah, I did a Joy Lawrence, whoa. <laughs> that was, I just was like, oh, my God, right in the head. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, great introduction one. to a bad guy. That's a really good one to put in the museum for sure. And I don't even hate him because he was the best part of the this most movie. Watchable. Yeah, it's not. It's not like uh, we uh, are advocating the violence. It's that we wanted to watch an interesting movie, and he was the most interesting part. Well, I'm adv- I, I love violence against <laughs> commies. America, kill all those commies. Keep drinking your Budweiser over there. And I'm also eating my Fritos. <laughs> I hope you can hear my crunch. So. I'm going to put in the museum this time probably the best scene in the movie, and I purposely didn't talk about it yet because I wanted to share it now. There is a scene during the fight when he's blowing up all the watchtowers and he's standing in the center and killing all these people where there's a group of soldiers inside a little hut, and Chuck Norris jumps through shooting. His gun is firing, and he jumps through a fucking window, guns blazing literally, takes out, like, three guys, is inside the hut, sees the guys outside of the hut, and then fucking jumps through another window to do the same thing. (laughs) Double window destruction. (laughs) It was absolutely amazing. Easily the best, like, little sequence in the movie for me. I'll be honest, I, I was surprised that we both have positive outlooks for the museum in this, the gold we found, because when I was when we were halfway through this, I was like, oh, I cannot believe this is this is what they decided to do. Yeah, I mean the the movie the movie's boring overall, but there there was little, you know, nuggets of gold like that in there. Yeah, that was yeah, it was there was some good stuff in some of it. But uh so Matt, this week, uh what'd you watch? Uh, just I just saw it the other night, Stephen King's It, and I, you know, I'm I'm with the masses. I loved it. How was Pennywise? Fantastic. Oh man, that's I, I'm gonna try to see it t- Monday or Tuesday of this week, so that should be good. And so you watched a couple of canon movies. Yes. Yeah, so I wanted time. to prepare. I wanted to get in the canon mood. Um, I watched a little bit of the um, canon documentary. But I decided to go straight to one of my all-time favorite canon films, Cobra. Nice. I love that movie, too. Oh, Stallone. Just just being awesome. He's walking around in that sweet leather jacket. He's got a, a match in his mouth because he's so hot. Yeah. Those, Why not? Just those uh, glasses, those like black reflective glasses. And that movie is edited and hacked as shit. There's so much in it where you're watching, you're like, wait, why are they doing this? Fuck it, who cares? Just just kill all of these axe-wielding... Uh, I don't even know what you'd call them. They're like Colt? An axe-wielding Colt? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and then uh, to top that off, I watched me some uh, Death Wish 4, which Bronson is... There are some scenes where Bronson's showing little to no emotion. They're trying to convey that quiet confidence, but it kind of comes off like Braddock here, where it's just like, oh man, this is just paycheck. Let's get yeah. us over. I mean, Bronson, like Norris, never really was that great of an actor. No. He was good at being a blank slate. So. But Death Wish 4 is better than Braddock here. Because oh, for sure. There, I love, love how he's just, just murdering 
all these gangs, these two-sided gangs in this movie. You got you got basically a cult in this one as well. Basically, the one yeah. the one is like a cult. The one group. Well, I don't know. I, I just remember two drug dealing sides. But I don't know. They, it's very like horror movie like that. The one that one group that. Uh, the the big guy like that big guy that's like in a lot of those eighties movies is leading you know which one I'm talking about yeah um, I do not know that actor's name I think it's Brian Thompson I think is his name he was in like X Files and he was uh, he was in uh, I mean like a couple episodes yeah well but yeah it was he, fun though I yeah. I did enjoy it I've heard people trash on the fourth one uh, because there's so much love for number three yeah I I put them on the same for me you know. Yeah. One, well, one is like the real movie, but it, you know it's just like a conservative wet dream. So mm-hmm. it, I watch it, you know, not necessarily agreeing with its politics, but like loving sort of the trash of it. Um, two is just mean spirited and kind of hard to watch, and then three and four are just a fucking blast. Oh man, three is three is guy that like where the whole community comes together and blows people away, and number four goes back to Braddock. I mean, I'm sorry, whoops. <laughs> uh, number four goes back to Bronson working on his own, doing all these little. You know, putting in uh, microphones in people's phones, and he's going around just blasting everyone. Then he gets the two groups to fight at the end, and then he's at the end. He's got to go, and the best scene in number four, and again another woman death. Mm-hmm. They keep killing these men's women, where it's just like, don't fall in love, kids, because in the end they all get shot by random bad guys. Yeah, no, it's it's. The Death Wish movies are just so, like, disgusting in that way. <laughs> yeah, they, they do not care about women at no. all. No, those are, like, the most, like, machismo, just, like, nasty to women series. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the movies because they're so trashy and fun to watch, but, again, it's not like I, like, agree with how awful, awful they are. Yes, they, <laughs> they're not only not PC, they, like, spit in the face of PC. Right, and, like... As a person, it's it's just funny. Like, I grew up watching these movies. I love that they spit in the face of PC. That's what I love about them. But at the same time, I, like, don't agree with it at all. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I can separate the right, world. Right, Yeah, no, like, that's why I enjoy these films. But damn, they don't care. It's, <laughs> and I had a blast watching them. All right. Well, my Budweiser's all out. That means the film is over, taking it out of the VCR, and now we're asking Matt, do you recommend Braddock, Missing in Action 3? So if you're you're walking down the aisles of the Goodwill or the Salvation Army or the flea market and you see Braddock sticking out of the bin, do you pick it up? I'm going to I'm going to very lightly say sure. Sure, for the few scenes that are really gems in here, I'm going to say if you find it for 25 cents, yeah, pick it up. So you have a soft recommend. I'm going to say skip it and find Invasion USA. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, if you can find a better, if you have the opportunity to find a better Chuck Norris movie, go for it. But if not, this one's fine. If you're a Chuck Norris fanatic, watch it. If you're not, and you're, but you love action movies, you can find a much better Chuck Norris. It, it's just Chuck Norris did better films than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm giving it a soft recommend, but, yeah, I'm still with you on that. Yeah, I, it, mine isn't a hard no, but it's it's you can find better. All right, so, so now... Next week, what are we picking next up? Next week, we are watching a 1998 classic. Mm. 
going loosely, minor class, like a like a blip on the classic radar. We've got Urban Legend. Ooh, we're gonna kick off this fall season right. Oh, get your sweaters out and try not to get stabbed. <laughs> Remember, kiddos, be kind. Rewind. I can see. 